Hey guys, what's going on? Coming back with a new podcast for this week. Uh, Eagles had to get cap compliant last week, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about that first. Losses and additions. That's really the only thing that I have to go over with the Eagles right now. I'll talk more about the draft once we start getting closer there. But it looks like all the mock drafts are around the same. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. So we'll go over that later in a different, in a later podcast once we start getting closer to the draft coming up in April. Uh, so we're going to go over the losses and the additions to the team from last week to this week. So one of the big losses, Jalen Mills goes to the Patriots on a four-year deal. I liked, I personally liked the way Jalen Mills played. He was a good guy to have in the secondary because he was able to play everywhere. We put him at safety. We were able to run him back to corner if you needed to because we didn't have enough depth at corner. He would play on the line, blitz. He he was a pretty good all-around player. He wasn't a great player, but he was a good player, and he was good for our team. So I think that's going to be a big loss. Uh, Rudy Ford goes to Jacksonville, which isn't really that big of a loss. He was just a special teams guy. He was our fastest special teams guy, but he never really played any real downs. He really only played against the Cowboys in the second game this season and got smoked for a touchdown. So he was really fast but wasn't ready for on-the-field reps, but he goes to Jacksonville, so he's gone. Uh, then the way, two big reasons we got back into being within cap space. First, Brandon Graham's coming back on a restructured contract. He now gets a one-year extension through 2022, and instead of a 13 mil cap hit this season, he's getting 10 mil this season and next season. So he's coming back for another season. And then what put us under was Marquise Goodwin was reverted back to the 49ers. We're getting a six-round pick for that, and it helps us clear the cap compliance. Now, the thing that I think happened with Marquise Goodwin, so it says he was reverted back to the 49ers. What I think that means is I don't think he was going to play this season. So I think that means that the NFL was, I don't know if it was the NFL or if the teams agreed or what happened, but... I think it. we were just getting back what we paid for because he didn't do anything for us. But we'll see what happens there. We'll see what that six-round pick turns out to be. Um, we haven't really done much in free agency, and I don't expect us to do a lot more in free agency because we just barely got under the cap. We're trying to go for a young team, so we're really going to focus on the draft where we have 10 draft picks. And... So, and you can't really afford long, expensive contracts. So I think anything that happens will be a lot of one-year contracts, low money, low cap hits, trying to just try to get the team forward because the other teams in the NFC East look like they're going to be teams to mess with. And I think later in a later podcast, I want to go over all the other teams, what they added, what they lost, see what the, uh, see what the, division will be looking like because I know the Giants they've added a lot so I'm really curious to see what they'll look like with their new additions and everything so but we did get two safeties we got Anthony Harris who had six interceptions in 2019 he is a one-year he's on a one-year five million dollar contract he comes over I like this addition he's a good player seems like a good player but we'll see how he plays out and then we just got former Super Bowl winner Andrew Adams from the Bucks. 
Uh, he has six career interceptions. He's been with the Bucks, the Giants. I don't know how much he'll actually have an effect, but he can play safety and corner when we need him to. So it's an addition for us. And then as I'm recording this about five minutes ago, Joe Flacco just agreed to a one-year 3.5 mil guaranteed contract, which is exactly what I wanted for the Eagles. It's a veteran to help Hurts figure out what he's doing in the NFL. He's a former Super Bowl winner, so he knows what he takes to win. So hopefully that'll help Hurts with his production and his growth through his career. So we'll see how that shapes up to be. Uh, And with that, we're going to go on to quick word from anchor and then we'll go on to the flyers all right welcome back guys we're going to move on over to the flyers who have still been struggling in the month of march and we're going to go ahead and look at that we've gone over what they've done so far we're going to take a look back at this road trip that they just went on and the game they played last night against the islanders uh so first we're going to start off with last monday they played the rangers it was a high scoring game 5-4 win uh, you get goals from JVR, Ivan Provorov, Joel Farabee, Giroux, and Voracek. You get two goals in three games for Ivan Provorov. Uh, Voracek gets the OT goal to get the two points, which was huge. Um, Keith Kincaid for the Rangers made a mistake with a soft pass to Panarin to the neutral zone. Voracek hops on the slow pass. Deeks Kincaid so hard out of his pads that he was sliding through the streets of New York. Uh, But I think despite the four goals against, I think Carter Hart played a strong game. Only one of the goals was really his fault, and even that one was a little sketchy. Um, Two of the goals were cross-ice passes, which are hard to stop to begin with. He did make a beautiful stop on Kreider on the doorstep, which was a cross-crease, where he got his foot out and stopped that right on the post, right on the doorstep. So that could have made it a... That would have won them the, won them the game. Uh, but one goal was a breakaway that the team had given up for the second time in a row. And he didn't make a mistake on this one. He had it before. They saw what happened. Went back in on that same breakaway and finished it this time. The only goal that I didn't like, which again, wasn't still wasn't really his fault, but still could have been stopped, was at his weakness, high glove. And it was a pass from down low into the slot, but there was no D-man within five feet of the player who took the shot. So I didn't really like that, but it wasn't all on Carter Hart. So could have been better, but we won. That's all that matters. Uh, the defense started off strong, then kind of crumpled in the second. We need to take the game and use... We need to take that game and use it to move forward and lose the slump that we're in right now. But, like, I'm about to get into, that didn't really help. Because Wednesday night, Wednesday night hockey, this is not a game we really want to look into, but we got a 9 nothing loss to the Rangers. It wasn't on the goalies. Elliott got pulled after letting in five. Hart comes out and lets in another four. But this was still a defensive issue. Multiple odd man rushes, cross crease passes, shorthanded breakaway for Mika Zibanejad, which he capitalizes on. And it's just, it was a whole, the entire game was a mess. I don't think it was on the goalies, it was on the defense. And this game was a real sign that we needed to 
go for a defenseman at the deadline and step it up. Um, I think we'll have to get a defenseman earlier than the deadline in order to make it to the point where we can actually do something at the deadline. So, 9 nothing loss there. Uh, then you go back-to-back Thursday, and you get a 4-3 regulation win against the Islanders. Regulation win is huge. You get two goals from Lindblom to hopefully get him kicked into gear for the rest of the season, coming off his cancer battle and then getting covid and coming off the bench after being a healthy scratch in the game against the Rangers, he gets the game-winning goal. You get a tip goal from the captain, G, and a goal from Voracek. What was really, what really made this a scary game was the Islanders got three unanswered goals in the third period to almost take us into OT, and the Flyers redeemed themselves getting, in, getting the regulation win and the two points, and the big one was holding the aisles to getting no points in the standings. So goals were stoppable, but they were just good placement. Overall, good game gets us two points in the standings, starts to get us to crawl back, especially with the Bruins going down, being two points ahead of us, going down with COVID. Uh, we played the Islanders again on Saturday. That was a 6-1 loss, showing the weakness in our defense again. You start off the game down 4-1. You get a goal from Farabee, who now has 13 goals, tied for the highest score on the team with JVR. But they kept Harden for the entire game, which I like, because that helps him work and see what shots that he isn't seeing. But the, at the same time, it also hurts him more than it helps him because the defense is still leaving him out to dry, not giving him any help in front of him, which is hard for him. Then you get the third straight against the Islanders last night. 2-1 OT loss. You get a point, which is big for the standings. And you're now going into this next week 2-2-1, starting tonight against the Devils. Uh, you get an early surge, and then after the first PK, they start to go defensive, and they kind of slow down with that four check and everything. But the defense didn't do as many turnovers, but we're still making costly turnovers that we were lucky enough to not be scored on. The big one I want to talk about was in the first period. There was a turnover right in front of the net. Matthew Barzell starts to come around. Brian Elliott was way out of place. And Ghost, who has been healthy scratched past two games in a row, gets down, takes away the passing lane from Matt Barzell to help Elliott get back into place, which I thought was a really good play by Ghost to show that he deserves to be in the lineup. And I think he needs to be in the lineup. Uh, because what, Nate Prosser, what's he going to do? Uh, Oscar Lindblom gets the goal that started out the scoring, the only goal for the Flyers. First goal against, I don't think really was on anyone. There could have been a little bit better, but the puck was, there was a big kerfuffle in front of the net. Elliot thought he was on top of the puck, and it just squirts out from the side of him, and there's a player right next to him on in the blue paint to put it home make it 1-1, and we end up going into OT, which stayed 4-on-4 the entire time because the Flyers got a late power play with about 149 left in the game in regulation. Couldn't capitalize, and they had 11 seconds left in OT, which I believe they lost the faceoff, so it got killed immediately. And the reason they scored was a bad pass that I don't think Farabee got all of, and 
they get the puck, give it to Bavillier, who takes it down below. And he kind of, as he's coming down, he decides to go in a little, make Elliott sell on the one post, and gets around and gets the wraparound. And the puck wouldn't have went in, but it bounced off of Elliott's skate, goes in the net, ends the game. So with those, so last week, including last night, you play five games, you go two, two, and one, which now puts me with my prediction, they need to win the next five straight, which I don't know if they can do. Of course, we hope that, but I think they'll lose at least one to the Rangers. But the you got the Devils tonight, which I think should be a win. The Devils are the second worst team in the division. They're playing good hockey. They're a good young team, but it's a team that you should take advantage of with not no one really outstanding in net. Uh, then you got the Rangers on Thursday and Saturday. I think... You should win the Thursday game with a 9 nothing loss. You should go into this game with a vengeance. You should come out and you should really punch him in the mouth. Show him that you're an actual NHL team. After an, And it's in Philly. So you got your fans there to support you. You need to win that game on Thursday. And hopefully that should get you with the momentum going into Saturday. You should get at least a point out of that, I believe. But... I think if they do lose a game, it will be that Saturday game against the Rangers. Hopefully it's an overtime, but hopefully it's a win. Uh, And then you go into the next week with two games in Buffalo on Monday and Wednesday, which you should win because Buffalo is an awful team. They've lost 14 straight. Um, So hopefully with these final five games, all these teams are inferior to you technically they should be inferior to the flyers the flyers should be playing than they are better than they are they're just giving up a lot of turnovers so the rest of these five games are all below you in the standings you should take advantage but having said that you need to win hopefully win these five games and carry that momentum into next month because coming up next month you got a rough road ahead you immediately go back to the islanders in new york then you got a two-game set against the Bruins, home and home. Then you go back to New York against the Islanders. You go back home to play the Bruins. And then the Sabres come to you right after that for a home game. Then you go to the Capitals and the Penguins, both on the road. Then you got the Capitals and the Islanders, both at home in a back-to-back. Then you got the Rangers, both in New York. Then the Devils come to you. And then you get two more Devils games on the road. And that ends up ending up the month of April. So in the month of April, you have 9 of 15 games are against teams who are above you in the standings. Granted, that could drop with the Bruins because we're only two points behind the Bruins. So that could drop, and they're in COVID protocol. We They have two games in hand with us, but those two games in hand don't really hurt until those two games in hand become two, two wins for the Bruins, or one win for that matter. Uh, so I think in order for us to actually compete in, and in order to be a buyer at the deadline, I think we have to get a defenseman first because the defense is what is our weakness at this point. Costly turnovers continue to be the downfall of this team and our offense just can't hold up with the amount of goals that we're giving up. So with that, I'm going to go into the standings and finish up the flyers part of this podcast uh 
So first off, I want to say Bruins are in COVID protocol, so they're on a little bit of a break right now. They're one of two teams left under 30 games, but that'll change tonight when the Flyers play the Devils because the Devils are the only other team under 30 games. But you got the Islanders in first place with 46 points, Caps in second with 44 points, Penguins in third with 40 points, Bruins in fourth with 36 points, Flyers in fifth with 34 points, Rangers in sixth with 32 points, Devils in seventh with 26 points, and the Sabres in last with 16 points. One of the reasons I stress so much that we need to beat the Sabres is one, they have lost 14 straight to. They are not a good team. We need to take advantage of the fact that they have lost 14 straight. Uh, so hopefully we can get a couple more wins going into next week and take that momentum into next month. We need to make a trade at the deadline. One of the reasons that I think they're holding off for so long to make that trade for a D-man is Chuck Fletcher is in a hole right now. Every other team in the NHL knows that Chuck Fletcher has an issue with his D-men, so therefore they can ask whatever they want because Chuck Fletcher is the one on the low side of the trade. He's The other teams have the high ground. Chuck Fletcher is at the bottom. It's not a good place to be, and they know he's desperate. So I think we're going to wait until the absolute last second to make a trade, which will probably hurt us more than it will help us unless this team can step up. So... With that, we are going to move on to the Phillies. So, first off, by the time you hear the next podcast, the season will have started. Aaron Nola has already been named the opening day starter. This will give him his fourth straight opening day start, which makes him the second Phillies pitcher ever with four straight opening day starts. And the only person in front of him is Steve Carlton, who also had four opening day starts. So, goes to show the kind of trust that the organization have, has in him and the kind of player he is. Uh, JT Real Muto, still not a definite starter behind the plate on opening day. Joe Girardi wants to see him behind the plate in a spring training game before he starts. He was scheduled to be a DH in a game, but was scratched last second. And big key here. There is no DH in the National League with this season as they're returning to normal rules to hopefully get a full season in. And with that, the center f- with opening day coming up, they need to know their center field starter. And this is going to be coming to a close. Joe Girardi said it's going to come down to the last day. But Kingery is getting a slight disadvantage as he not only is he asked to be competing for this position, but he's also being asked to make a change in his swing. They want him to have a shorter swing and a more gap-to-gap line-drive approach as opposed to trying to swing for the fences every time. So, here are the stats for the center fielder that are up for the um, position, which I think it's between Kingery and Herrera. I don't think Quinn really has a chance. He never really stood out as one at the plate like Herrera or Kingery can. Quinn is, I think, more of a depth player, but Kingery is 4 for 30 with a 133 batting average with a double and a homer, and he's been walked two times and has 14 strikeouts. Quinn is 8 for 25, 320 batting average, three walks, nine strikeouts, and an on-base percentage of 393. I, that's one of the highest on, 
on not on bases. That's one of the highest batting averages he's had in a while. So that's good to see him starting to step up because that'll make him good for coming off the bench to be a pinch hitter. And Herrera, 7 for 29, 241 batting average, has three homers, no walks, and six strikeouts. He has the least amount of strikeouts, most amount of homers, and he hasn't been walked. But I think Herrera looks to be making a strong fight to win this center field race going into opening day. So with that, I'm going to go into a little new thing that I'm going to start going into because the 76ers are a good team. I don't really watch basketball, but maybe listeners want to hear about basketball. So I'm going to do a Sixers minute where I'll go over where they are, any big news that might be happening, any games if they're playing, what their last game looked like, just take a minute to talk about the Sixers. So first, let's start off with their last game. They had a big 100, 101 to 100 win against the Knicks. Hard fought, hard fought battle that went into OT. Get that final point to get the win. Boost them up number one in the standings. Uh, Joel Embiid and Curry still out. Big losses for them. Uh, in the standings, they're first in the conference at 30 and 13, with Brooklyn right behind them at 29 and 14. And then Milwaukee, 28 and 14. And tonight, they play a really depressed-looking Golden State team at 22 and 21. I mean, the only thing I really knew about basketball was that Golden State was usually pretty good, and now they're not really looking like much of a team anymore. So we'll see how they play out tonight, see what happens. They're looking like they're going to be the team to beat in the East, although they did get kind of... They did get kind of disrespected in the odds for to win the NBA championship, and I think that's just because of the way that Philly is. I mean, Philly is usually known to choke. Uh, they are a plus 1,500 to win the NBA championship. So let's see how that plays out, and remember, just keep them bells ringing. See you guys next week.